Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of r slash pro revenge. In this episode, I've got one long story for you, and it's titled Pro Divorce. Now, this story dates back three years ago, and it's a pretty popular story about how a husband deals with his wife's infidelity, and it's a good one. I hope you stay for the story today and subscribe for future videos. This is a throwaway, as it might not make me very popular, even in Pro Revenge. This all happened to me a few years ago. I told a friend the story of my divorce, and I was told to share. It started a few years ago. I thought we were happy. We were your usual suburban professional couple. Financially secure, healthy, good sex life, and had two kids. I thought we had a healthy social life. We were going through one of your typical married couple rough patches. Both of us were working long hours, not spending enough time together, and we were going through some developmental problems with my son, and tensions in the house were running a little high. I noticed that she was spending a lot more time on her phone texting with her quote-unquote girlfriends. I didn't think much of it. I started making a much more concerted effort to get out of work when I could, help around the house, and be more emotionally available. But over the course of a few weeks, the gulf just kept getting wider. I ended up accidentally finding some messages when I charged up an old iPad for my son to use. Her Facebook Messenger was still logged in, and there were a lot of highly questionable messages with a guy from her hometown who I'll call Jim Bob Cooter, or JBC for short. The messages weren't completely inappropriate, but I could tell there were quite a few missing based on the times and context of the messages. I made a mental note to keep an eye on this, and went about trying to fix things up. The next day after, I took the day off to knock out some projects that I thought would make her happy and left her some sweet notes, reminding her how much I appreciated her. She was once again in the living room, texting her girlfriends. I took the boy's iPad to the office, opened up Facebook Messenger, and watched in real time as my wife tore me down. Her and JBC were making fun of me. All of my flaws, insecurities, and secrets that I entrusted to my partner were now fodder for her and JBC. Not only that, but while there wasn't outright sexting, there was some undertone to the whole conversation, especially when she was bashing my performance in the sack. I managed to take some screenshots, but missed a good bit of the messages because as the conversation was unfolding, she was deleting them. I wasn't emotionally capable of confronting her. I stayed in the office until she was asleep and had a couple of drinks. I took off the next day and spent some time soul-searching, drinking, and trying to figure out what to do. The wife came home and wanted to know what was wrong, and I just copped out and told her I had a bad day. A couple minutes later, I was watching the iPad as the train wreck kept unfolding. So began a couple of solid weeks of taking screenshots, drinking, and detaching myself from her. I knew there was no going back from this. The messages were now overtly explicit, with my wife completely into it, and JBC was sprinkling in, I love yous. I consulted a lawyer and got my options and started moving forward. Here's where everything got absolutely surreal. 
Watching the messages, I found out that JBC was coming to town to spend a weekend of quality time with my wife in a pretty nice hotel. I was missing a good bit of the info, they must have had a phone conversation about it at some point, but I was able to infer enough to get the when and where. Sure as shit, the next day, the wife is buttering me up and wanting to take a spa weekend with the girls to relax. And when she gets back, we can really focus on the marriage. I go with it all the way, like it's the greatest idea she's ever had and I'll do anything to get us back on track. I get with the lawyer and have him draft a strong separation agreement stating that she would move out, she would get weekend visitation, no child support in the interim until the divorce is final. Then I sit through the most agonizing two weeks of my life. After all, most of my feelings for her are completely gone and I'm just seething with anger like I've never felt before. D-Day arrives and I take the day off work. I withdraw half of any money in any accounts that were joint on and leave her half alone. I had already redirected my paycheck to a new bank. I close our money market account and get a cashier's check for her half and deposit my half in a new account. I stop at Office Max and print out about 75 pages of Facebook Messenger screenshots and I kill time because I don't want to be at home. She texts me that she's taking off and that she loves me. I tell her to have fun and that I love her back not giving her any inkling of what I know. I show up at the hotel about 8.30 and call the wife's phone from the lobby. It goes straight to voicemail. They're probably already at it. Whatever. I walk up to the front desk and ask if I can use the phone and have it be connected to JBC's room. It rings three times and he picks up. JBC says, Hello? I replied, JBC, can you send my wife down to the lobby please? He responds, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. Okay then, I guess I'll have to call Mrs. JBC and get her down here, which was totally a bluff. I knew he was married, I knew her first name, but that was it. JBC, inaudible, started shuffling in a panic. And I said, you've got five minutes, click. Not even two minutes later, my wife comes walking out of the elevator looking a little flustered. I sit her down in the corner of the lobby. She starts spewing things, saying it's not what it seems, etc, etc. And I said, I'm not here to argue. The things that are said in this pile of papers are what's going on. The only way I'm not giving a copy of this to our daughter, your parents, and emailing it to everyone we know is if you move out immediately. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
A thing to note is my wife was very prideful. Our daughter was going through a rebellious teen phase, and her knowing probably would have killed their relationship. My wife was also her parents' golden child, and she always worried about what they thought of her. I didn't have much leverage, and shame was my only card to play. Also, her professional life is built up around her image, so I knew she would protect that at all cost. She started sniffling, mumbling, inaudible, and I said, "This is a check for half of the money market account. I've withdrawn half of my money from all the other joint accounts. You should have more than enough to get a place." She starts to cry a little. I could almost see the different thoughts and waves of emotion going through her, but now was the time to keep pressing. And I said, "Here's a separation agreement, and I think it's more than fair considering what's going on. I'm gonna need you to look this over, sign it, and leave it at the house when you get your stuff. Do you want to look through the screenshots?" She says no, and I say, "Okay, go have fun with JBC. Do not come back to the house, or I'm gonna send this." And I hold up a ream of screenshots to everyone. I bounce out of the lobby, and I can hear her starting to have a breakdown. I get to the car, drive off to a parking lot, and have my own crying rage fit. Previously, I would have cried in front of her and yelled and whatnot, but I managed to get my shit together enough to pull it off. I don't know what she did that night or over the weekend. She texted and called, wanting to talk. I just turned the phone off, and by the time Monday afternoon rolled around, there were movers getting her stuff, and she delivered the agreement. I let her have a talk with the kiddos, basically saying that mommy and daddy need some time apart, and we still love you, etc., etc. Standard divorce talk. After a week, she wants to have a real talk for the first time. I oblige because I've already got my shit together, and I've got an idea of what I want. But I should hear her out. She's so sorry. She wants another chance. She wants her family back, and she'll do anything. She's on her knees, crying into my lap. I have no intention of ever taking her back. I tell her that I can't live with her, but she should be around the children to try to maintain a relationship with them. So then our new life starts of her coming over to the house, cooking, and having dinner with the kids three nights a week, and her saving me a plate. But I always made myself scarce. She also cleaned the house and did the kids' laundry, and then headed back to her place. We went to counseling. It consisted of her working through her issues with a therapist, trying to figure out why she did it, her begging for forgiveness, and me playing the victim. I was never gonna give her another chance. All I wanted to do was kill time, establish myself as the primary caregiver to the kids, and establish her as not having any residency in the house. After a few months, I go to my own therapist and get diagnosed with depression and PTSD. After six months of therapy, I told her that I couldn't forgive her right now and that I wanted an amicable divorce. But she's still the love of my life, and maybe someday we could give it another try. She was devastated, but agreed to the divorce if I promised to try again someday. Once the divorce was filed, I needed the kids to want to stay with me. I left a Google search for how to survive your wife's infidelity up on the PC at home, and I left some printed out infidelity articles not so hidden in the kitchen. My daughter found them and came to me crying. I told her she wasn't supposed to find those, that mom made a mistake, and that mom still loves her, and that I would always be here for her. My daughter, who used to hold my wife in such high regard, now wouldn't talk to her without screaming, and it crushed her. Not surprisingly, when the court needed statements from the kids a few months later, her little brother followed big sister's lead, and they both wanted to stay with dad in the house they grew up in. 
When the divorce was finalized, I got the house. I got primary custody of the kids. I got awarded generous child support due to the differences in our incomes due to me working part-time. Now, for the last two years, I've gotten to live in the house with my kids, work part-time, get the now ex to subsidize it for me, and when she takes the kids over the weekends, I get to have my fun with Tinderellas and some friends with benefits that I've cultivated. In the eyes of my kids, I'm the patron saint of fatherhood for taking the high road and always being there. In the eyes of my ex, I'm the one that got away that she'll always pine for, and I get a bonus of having her come over for sex whenever I want by dangling that carrot of maybe getting back together with her. But that is never gonna happen. Now this is true pro-revenge, and it's one of the best I've read in a while. It's brutal, efficient, cold, calculating, and downright impressive. A pro-revenge professional. I hope you guys enjoyed this story today. If you like this story, give it a thumbs up and leave a comment of what you think. If you aren't subscribed and this is your first time listening to a story on my channel, please hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications because I release videos almost every day. And by almost, I mean pretty much every day. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.